I think a lot of his views are going to be shaped by his advisors, the people around him, which is why it's important to pay attention to these confirmation hearings. Trying to. Trying to, Mr. President. And not making it easy. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's I why. got a feeling that something ain't right. <laughs> no. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Yes, I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. In Santa Barbara, 98.7 FM. In 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. In Oregon, on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove. 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 88.5 FM KAKU in Maui, WGRN 94.1 FM in Columbus, Ohio, 102.9 FM WLPP in Palinville, New York, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We're also streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, along with many other fine affiliates, both terrestrial and otherwise. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today for what will, of course, once again, (laughs) be a uh, thrilling, action-packed adventure that we call the Bradcast as we try, try mightily to keep up with all of the news that you need to know about that you might not otherwise get with so much all going on at once. I had hoped, actually, to get to some calls today since this is uh, likely our last chance No, not ever, but our last chance to do so uh, before the age of Trump actually begins. I had actually wanted to make a time capsule of sorts for uh, for comments from now before uh, Trump becomes president of of messages to those who will come after. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to it or not, because we've got so many uh, breaking news items uh, going on throughout uh, today. Uh, But if you got a message From now for the future, Uh, give me a call. Get in line. 818-985-5735. We are live today in our uh, L.A. studio here. 818-985-5735. All right. But time, uh, as I say, is short uh, today, uh, given that we once again have all this breaking news. We have four different Senate confirmation hearings all going on at once and an outgoing president who decided to give a final press conference today. So very quickly in that press conference, his last one, uh, President Obama from the White House, President Obama sent uh, sent his prayers and regards and compliments to George H.W. Bush. Uh, who is uh, in the hospital today, was uh, in intensive care. Uh, So uh, he sent his regards to uh, George Bush Sr. and his wife Barbara and his family. 
He also sent what I think is an embedded message of sorts, um, a pretty obvious one. When he thanked the press, uh, he sent this message that I think is for Trump and for democracy as a whole about the importance of taking tough questions. Uh, in that White House uh, briefing room uh, and even disagreeing with the conclusions and the reporting of many of the members of the press who are in that room. He thanked them. He described the necessity of a free press and a well-informed citizenry and the uh, necessity of getting the basic facts correct for the well-being of a functioning democracy. So uh, clearly a message to the upcoming administration, which has talked about either ending White House briefings altogether, shutting down the White House uh, uh, press room. Frankly, and we've been talking about this in recent days, moving uh, the uh, the briefings to another area, which they say they want to just move it because there's so many people who are so interested in this president. In fact, it's because they want to stock it with their supporters uh, and and their uh, their fake news friends who will ask uh, questions, friendly questions and so forth. So um, Obama had a comment or two about that. He also answered questions about the commutation of Chelsea Manning's 35 year prison sentence, noting that uh, noting to critics concerned about the message that it might send uh, that uh, Chelsea Manning has served a very, very tough sentence already. About seven years she's uh, been imprisoned. So the commutation doesn't send the message, he said, that leaking classified information is OK. He noted that her sentence, as is, uh, was disproportionate to that of other comparable leakers. Uh, she was not set to get out until 2045. Instead, Chelsea Manning will get out in uh, in May, as we covered yesterday, as that story broke. Uh, and he also talked about uh, the fact that this is a commutation versus a pardon uh, for whatever Manning's crimes are considered to be. The president responded to questions on Russia and Trump's offer to lift sanctions against them in exchange for reducing nuclear stockpiles, claiming that he uh, Obama said that he also has uh, favored reducing stockpiles. He favored good relations with Russia throughout his administration, he says. But he's been alarmed at what he describes as an increasing anti-Americanism by Russian President Vladimir Putin. And Obama again condemned what he sees as Russia's role in both Crimea and Ukraine. He responded to questions on criticism of the recent U.N. vote condemning the continuing expansion of Israeli settlements and questions about uh, Trump appointing an ambassador to Israel who does not support a two-state solution. Obama reiterated that the U.S. has long supported a two-state solution and uh, he, that he re realistically sees no alternative to it, but that if growth of settlements on the ground continues as it currently is, he says the moment may be passing to ever make such a solution possible, and that would make peace in the region impossible. On his plans for the foreseeable future, Obama says he has no plans to run for office for now uh, and, um, and that he plans to generally only speak out uh, if the Trump administration does something egregious as he sees it, such as systematic discrimination or rounding up children of undocumented immigrants, etc. He talked about making the machinery of our democracy work better. He said we're the only mature democracy that makes it harder to vote, called uh, for making it easier to vote, not harder, decried the fake news 
those were his words, of voter fraud or voting fraud, as he called it, the notion that there are a whole bunch of people who are voting illegally. He said the notion that there are a whole bunch of folks not eligible to vote who go out and uh, try to vote is the opposite of the problem. He said we've got a bunch of people who are eligible to vote but do not vote. He also talked about criminal justice reform and race issues, uh, though he rejected the notion that things are worse now than they were before. And he ended his final press conference, his 39th solo press conference as president, this way. I believe in this country. I believe in the American people. I believe that uh, people are more good than bad. I believe tragic things happen. I think there's evil in the world. But I think that at the end of the day, if we work hard and if we're true to those things in us that feel true and feel right, that the world gets a little better each time. This is not just a matter of no drama Obama. This is, this is what I really believe. At my core, I think we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. So uh, not a lot of actual news in truth at that press conference, other than the fact that it was his final presser as president. Uh, and as we noted at the top of the show, we uh, he warned uh, that Donald Trump's views are going to be shaped by his advisors, which is why it's so important to pay attention to these confirmation hearings. That has not been easy since they've all been scheduled all at once on purpose. Four different hearings held today at the same time, but we've been trying. We've been trying to follow them as best as we can, and we will do so again today shortly, at least as much as possible. But as important as those hearings are, one of the reasons uh, cited by us, uh, by myself on this program so often before the election uh, to be concerned about a Donald Trump presidency, the future of the planet and, yes, it's Habitability for human civilization is now at stake. And yes, the next several years, scientists warn, if you believe those scientists, uh, along with our own Desi Doyen, if you believe her, uh, could very well be the most important these next few years in that regard for the future of the planet to keep us from reaching a tipping point, a point of no return for mankind. And to that end, some breaking news today that I want to highlight. I want to put it up here at the top of the show, because if we don't, who really will? Uh, last year, according to uh, CNN's report here, was officially the Earth's warmest year since record keeping began in the 1880s. The World Meteorological Organization announced on Wednesday. That means 2016 set a global heat record for the third year in a row, according to both NOAA and NASA. And uh, NOAA, Desi Doyen, stands for the... National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> Not only the uh, report was this the third consecutive year to rank hottest uh, than all previous years, it also means that 16 of the 17 hottest years on record have occurred since the year 2000. 16 of the 17 hottest years on record. That's according to NOAA. To put this in perspective, the last time we had a record cold year was 1911. So we don't break these records all the time. Uh, it's very unusual to break either a hot record or a cold record. And yet we have been breaking the hot record, the heat record globally now year after year after year. 
Temperatures over the Earth's continent and oceans in 2016 were um, a little bit more than one degree Celsius above the pre-industrial average. That is uh, about two degrees Fahrenheit above the pre-industrial average, according to the WMO. That means we're already a majority of the way to the one and a half degree Celsius or almost four degree Fahrenheit uh, goal, warming goal at the uh, Paris Climate Agreement in 2015. And that's actually not a goal. That's uh, that's a, a target to stay away from. And we are almost there. Right. That's the guardrail. To come up with its figures, WMO combined different global temperature data sets from uh, from various sources, including NOAA, NASA, uh, the UK's Met Office and the European Weather and Climate Center. So they took a whole bunch of data and averaged it together to come out uh, with these numbers. Now, what was uh, I want to cite New York Times reporting on this because. I believe they reported it the right way. Did you get to read, Des, any of uh, New York Times report on this? No, I did not. All right, let me read some of this here. Uh, Marking another milestone for a changing planet, scientists reported on Wednesday that the Earth reached its highest temperature on record in 2016, trouncing a record set only a year earlier, which beat one set in 2014. It's the first time in the modern era of global warming data that temperatures have blown past the previous record three years in a row. The findings come two days before the inauguration of an American president who has called global warming a Chinese plot and vowed to roll back his predecessor's efforts to cut emissions of heat-trapping gases. The data show that politicians cannot wish the problem away. The New York Times reports the Earth is heating up a point long beyond serious scientific dispute, but one becoming more evident as the records keep falling. Temperatures are heading toward levels that many experts believe will pose a profound threat to both the natural world and to human civilization. That's pretty blunt. You think? And this is not, by the way, this was not an op-ed. This is the news report on uh, on these uh, findings today. Deke Arndt, chief of the Global Climate Monitoring uh, for uh, for NOAA, said a single warm year is something of a curiosity. It's really the trend and the fact that we're punching at the ceiling every year now that is the real indicator that we are undergoing big changes. The paper reports the the heat extremes were especially pervasive in the Arctic, with temperatures in the fall running 20 to 30 degrees Fahrenheit above normal across large stretches of the Arctic Ocean. And as that was happening, we were yelling and screaming about it on this show. Oh, of course. And and nobody else was. 20 to 30 degrees Fahrenheit above the normal in the Arctic? And people are not getting the news that the changes in the Arctic sea ice are believed to be changing weather patterns in the jet stream, which is helping to explain under this theory that Mm -hmm. these extreme weather swings that we're seeing from super hot to super cold, that those are driven by the changes in the jet stream, driven by the changes in Arctic sea ice, driven by global warming. They go on to report that uh, the sea ice there has been in precipitous decline for years, and Arctic communities are already wrestling with enormous problems such as coastal erosion caused by climate change. What's going on in the Arctic is really very impressive, says Gavin Schmidt, head of the Goddard Institute for uh, Space Studies in Manhattan. That's part of NASA. He says this year was ridiculously off the chart. 
But Arctic's uh, folks in the Arctic were hardly alone. The paper uh, New York Times notes in feeling the heat, drought and starvation afflicted Africa. On May 19, the people in the town of Falodi lived through the hottest day in recorded history of India. 123.8 degrees Fahrenheit. That happened this year. Other than that, totally a hoax brought on by the Chinese. Even at current temperatures, the Times reports, billions of tons of land ice are melting or sliding into the oceans. That's current temperatures. That's if it doesn't get any warmer. The sea is also absorbing most of the heat trapped by human emissions. Those factors are causing the ocean to rise at what appears to be an accelerating pace. And coastal communities in the U.S. are uh, spending billions of dollars now already to fight increased tidal flooding. Their pleas for help from Congress have largely been ignored. Good for the New York Times. This is Justin Gillis and John Schwartz for reporting on it this way. Uh, And just for you skeptics out there, they also cite the findings of a record warm year being confirmed by the Berkeley Earth Surface Temperature Project or BEST project. That's a nonprofit California group set up to provide a temperature analysis independent of governments. And who uh, funded uh, BEST? Who funded the Berkeley Earth Surface Temperature? The Koch brothers, the Koch brothers who have been leading climate change denial in this country now for years, they set up this independent group in order to dispute the findings coming from the government. And what do you know when the folks at Berkeley actually sat down and, and, and took a look at the numbers and looked at them independently? They found that, yes, in fact, those numbers are correct. It's not a hoax. It's not a scam. A paper recently issued by the Berkeley Group confirmed the scientific validity of NOAA's numbers. Uh, Zeke Hausfather, a researcher with the Berkeley Earth Project and the lead author of the paper, says, quote, NOAA was not cooking the books. So, yeah, uh, what happens in the next couple of years is going to matter tremendously. I want to congratulate those who helped uh, put Donald Trump in office. Uh, and hope they've got uh, plans for their kids and their grandkids in the future. Uh, we'll be uh, we'll have more on uh, on all of this mess in a little bit with uh, Desi Doyen and our latest Green News report, uh, which we put together before this uh, breaking news today here. Uh, so we'll have a lot more coming up in our uh, in our Green News report. Uh, and Desi Doyen will be joining us for for that and um, and more on today's hearings. As I said, there were four different Senate confirmation hearings held all at once again today, all at the same time, making it literally impossible for the media to cover it, uh, much less Brad Blog World News headquarters here. Uh, But it was no accident that the Republicans scheduled it that way. Hearings were held today for billionaire Wilbur Ross, Trump's nominee for uh, Commerce Secretary, who has spent his life taking over failing companies and outsourcing their jobs to foreign countries. Also hearings for um, South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, Trump's pick to be the U.N. ambassador, despite her having no foreign policy experience whatsoever. Also hearings today for Congressman Tom Price of Georgia, who we talked about uh, a great deal on yesterday's broadcast. If you didn't hear it, you can download that anytime for free at bradblog.com. He uh, has been nominated as the Secretary of Health and Human Services 
despite apparently having broken the law by purchasing some $300,000 worth, at least, uh, in stock in health-related companies for which he was involved in legislation in Congress. Uh, And the fourth hearing today was for Scott Pruitt, the Oklahoma attorney general and climate science denier and enemy of the Environmental Protection Agency. He has been uh, nominated to be, yes, head of the Environmental Protection Agency. We'll have more on Pruitt's hearing specifically today in a moment with uh, with Desi Doyen, but we're still trying to catch up with yesterday's hearings that we were not able to cover uh, in full on uh, yesterday's broadcast as we focused on the um, the hearings of Interior Department nominee Ryan Zinke and his conflicts of uh, interest and the conflicts of interest of a a number of uh, Trump uh, employees, nominees, including Betsy DeVos. Betsy DeVos is Trump's nominee for Education Secretary. She had her hearing yesterday as well. She responded to questions from senators in the Health, Education, Labor and Pensions Committee. Uh, in the U.S. Senate on Tuesday. The billionaire DeVos, whose father-in-law is uh, Amway co-founder Richard DeVos, he's said to be worth $5.1 billion by Forbes. Uh, She and her family have literally given millions of dollars to Republicans and Republican causes, including tens of thousands of dollars to many of the Republican senators on the committee holding the hearing yesterday who will vote on Betsy DeVos's fate, according to OpenSecrets.org. DeVos, meanwhile, is a champion for charter schools. Those are public schools run by private organizations and uh, school vouchers, which results in money being taken out of the public school system for use in private schools uh, with the government forced to pay for it nonetheless. Democrats have been asking since Trump announced the, uh, the DeVos nomination why someone who has spent her life trying to strip funding from public schools should be placed in charge of those very schools. That question may answer itself. Uh, At the same time, Trump's transition team said on uh, on Tuesday morning that DeVos's certified ethics agreement and financial disclosure statement, uh, which would disclose any of her many conflicts of interest, um, that that has been submitted. That was submitted in December. But uh, the fact is the Office of Government Ethics has yet to clear DeVos And we have learned in the last few days that in addition to a $125,000 donation to an anti-union campaign that DeVos failed to disclose to the committee, Politico reports that Democrats are requesting additional financial disclosures from DeVos, even though her hearing already uh, got underway yesterday. And even though Mitch McConnell, the Republican majority leader back in 2009, even though he insisted that the Office of Government Ethics clear all of Obama's nominees before any hearing started. They were happy to have uh, the hearing for DeVos anyway yesterday. And committee chair Lamar Alexander of Tennessee said he had no concerns at all about DeVos's paperwork. Of course, Alexander is one of the senators who has received thousands of dollars from DeVos over the years. Democrats also noted that DeVos's uh, political action committee owed millions of dollars still in fees and fines for violating Ohio campaign finance law some years ago. Apparently she owes some $5.3 million in fines dating back to 2008 when her All Children Matter PAC was cited for contributing $860,000 more than the legal limit in the state of Ohio. The hearing itself was somewhat rushed. Uh, Committee Chair uh, uh, Lamar Alexander insisted that senators stick to the precedent 
of a five-minute rounds of, uh, of questioning for the education secretary. Democrat members noted that they had never heard of any such rule. But DeVos was pressed by a number of uh, a number of those Democrats, including Democratic Senator uh, Patty Murray of Washington state, on whether she would commit to not privatizing, not privatizing or stripping funding from public schools if DeVos was confirmed as education secretary. DeVos would not agree to do that. My first question for you really is yes or no. That's all I want is a yes or no. Do you believe that the mission of the Department of Education should be to strengthen public education for all of our students? Yes, I do. Good. So can, can you commit to us tonight that you will not work to privatize public schools or cut a single penny from public education? Senator, thanks for that question. Um, I... I look forward, if confirmed, to working with you to talk about how we address the needs of all parents and all students. And uh, we acknowledge today that not all schools are working for the students that are assigned to them. And I'm hopeful that we can work together to find uh, common ground and ways that we can solve those issues and empower parents to make choices on behalf of their children that are right for them. I take that as not being willing to commit to not privatizing public schools or cutting money from education. Well, I, I, I guess I wouldn't characterize it in that way. Uh, well, <laughs> okay. Yeah, of course she wouldn't because uh, then people might vote against her. So instead she chose to uh, to lie and to pretend. Now that that uh, that she's looking forward to working together. That comment that's uh, that was quite practiced clearly. It sounded familiar after a while. Uh, here was uh, here was Bernie Sanders uh, pressing the uh, billionaire DeVos on uh, on whether she'd be willing to work with uh, with with him on the free public college tuition plan that he pushed uh, on the uh, presidential campaign trail last year. And he also asked a bit about her donations, her millions of dollars in donations to Republicans over the years. Mrs. DeVos, there is a growing fear, I think, in this country that we are moving toward uh, what some would call an oligarchic form of society, uh, where a small number of very, very wealthy billionaires control, to a significant degree, our economic and political life. Um, would you be so kind as to tell us uh, how much money your family has contributed to the Republican Party over the years? Senator, first of all, thank you um, for that question. I, again, was pleased to meet you in your office uh, last week. Um, I wish I could give you that number. I don't know. I have heard the number was $200 million. Does that sound in the ballpark? Collectively, between yeah, over my the years, entire yes. family? That's, that's possible. Okay. My question is, and I don't mean to be rude, but do you think if you are not a multi-billionaire, if your family has not made hundreds of millions of dollars of contributions to the Republican Party, that you would be sitting here today? Um, Senator, as a matter of fact, I do think that there would be that possibility. I've worked very hard on behalf of parents and, and children for the last almost 30 years to be a voice for parents and to voice for students and to empower parents to make decisions on behalf of their children, primarily low-income children. Thank you. Uh, in your statement, your prepared statement, you say, and I quote, students should make informed choices about what type of education they want to pursue post-high school and have access to high-quality options. Some of us believe that we should make public colleges and universities tuition-free 
so that every young person in this country, regardless of income, does have that option. That's not the case today. Will you work with me and others to make public colleges and universities tuition-free through federal and state efforts? Senator, I think that's a really interesting idea, and it's really great to consider and think about. But I think we also have to consider the fact that there's nothing in life that's truly free. Somebody's going to pay for it. Oh, and so, yes, you're right. And, you're and right. So Somebody would, will pay for it. But that takes us to another issue. I think and if, that is, if I may, yeah. and that is right now we have proposals in front of us to substantially lower tax breaks for billionaires in this country, while at the same time low income kids can't afford to go to college. Do you think that makes sense? Senator, I think if, if your question is really around how can we help college and higher education be more affordable for young people as they anticipate Actually, that it. wasn't my question. My question is, should we make public colleges and universities tuition-free so that every family in America, regardless of income, will have the ability to have their kids get a higher education? That was my question. Senator, I think, I think we, we can work together and we could work hard on making sure that college or higher education in some form is affordable for all young people that want to pursue it. And I would look forward to that opportunity if confirmed. So uh, that was Bernie Sanders uh, depressing Betsy DeVos, who was basically uh, giving him a lot of uh, hot air. I think uh, let's uh, let me get to one more here, one or two more here before we get to our break. Um, Senator Tim Kaine asked Betsy DeVos if she agreed that there should be equal accountability for both public schools and private charter schools. Uh, clearly, she did not believe there should be. And if confirmed, will you insist upon that equal accountability in any K-12 school or educational program that receives federal funding, whether public, public charter or private? I support accountability equal accountability for all schools that receive federal funding. I support accountability. Okay, is that a yes or a no? That's a, I support accountability. Do you not want to answer my question? I support accountability. Okay, let me ask you this. I think all schools that receive taxpayer funding should be equally accountable. Do you agree with me or not? Well, they don't, they're not today. I, but I think they should, do you agree with me or not? Well, no, because- You they, don't agree they, with me. Let me move to my next question. So, yeah, she agrees with accountability, just, you know, some accountability, not equal accountability, not for everyone, God forbid. Uh, finally, um, uh, Senator uh, Elizabeth Warren offered the most pointed questions, perhaps, of the day on whether DeVos, who has no personal experience in education or government loans, if she had any idea how to manage the school funding and the uh, school loan program, which we should, which she will now oversee if confirmed as the education secretary. The secretary of education is essentially responsible for managing a trillion dollar student loan bank and distributing $30 billion in Pell grants to students each year. The financial futures of an entire generation of young people depend on your department getting that right. Now, Mrs. DeVos, do you have any direct experience in running a bank? Senator, I do not. Uh-huh. Do you have you ever managed or overseen a trillion-dollar loan program? I have not. How about a billion-dollar loan program? I have not. Okay. So no experience in managing a program like this. How about participating in one? I think it's important for the person who is in charge of our financial aid programs to understand what it's like 
for students and their families who are struggling to pay for college. Mrs. DeVos, have you ever taken out a student loan from the federal government to help pay for college? I have not. Uh, have any of your children had to borrow money in order to go to college? They have been fortunate not to. Uh-huh. Have you had any personal experience with the Pell Grant? Uh, not personal experience, but certainly friends and um, students with whom I've worked. So you have, have no personal experience with college financial aid or management of higher education? So, yeah, no, she doesn't. So, as President Obama said, pay attention to these hearings. Pay attention to who is being nominated. Uh, and call. Call your, uh, call your U.S. senator if you have any opinions about these people, if you have any, any opinions on whether they should be confirmed or not. But both, uh, so she's both inexperienced and an opponent of the many pro of the programs that she's now going to be in control of if confirmed as education secretary. But that may be nothing compared to Donald Trump's choice to head the Environmental Protection Agency. That's Oklahoma's climate change denying Attorney General Scott Pruitt, uh, whose uh, hearing was today in the Senate Environmental and Public Works Committee. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with Desi Doyen to explain what happened there, uh, as well as your thoughts, if we have time, uh, your, your message for the future, for those of us who... Uh, who may be listening to the broadcast years from now, uh, what should they know about what happened before Donald Trump became president? Your thoughts and calls on that, your messages to the future at 818-985-5735, plus Desi Doyen and our latest Green News report. All of that is ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. Progressive media outlets have been under attack for years, even during supposedly progressive administrations. We are now facing a whole new world and real alternatives to the mainstream corporate media. You know, the folks who got it all wrong from the jump must be able to continue the fight for all of us. This is not a drill. It never was. Please consider a donation to our work here on the Bradcast by stopping by bradblog.com donate to help out however you can. A monthly pledge is greatly appreciated, but anything you can share will keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. Our last chance to talk to uh, people in the future uh, from a time when Donald Trump was never president of the United States. I'd love to hear your calls on that. But before we get to it, uh, as I mentioned, uh, four hearings going on today in the U.S. Senate for Donald Trump nominees. None of them uh, seemingly qualified for the job, many of them with their own conflicts of interest. Uh, one such conflict, uh, of course, comes from uh, Oklahoma Attorney General Scott Pruitt, uh, who is a climate change denier. 
um, and has been fighting the EPA now for years, suing the EPA for years, and now he has been tapped to head it up. Desi Doyen, you were uh, you were monitor- trying to anyway monitor Scott Pruitt's hearings today, along with everything else. What happened in those uh, hearings for the man who would be the next EPA chief? Well, a lot happened, as it often does in these hearings, but it's really hard to try to cover everything. You know, Scott Pruitt, as attorney general of Oklahoma, has spent almost his entire political career trying to dismantle the Environmental Protection Agency, the very agency that he has been tapped to run. So, you know, when he's talking about uh, his desire to run the EPA. There were a lot of questions from Democratic senators, especially about his fitness to do so, being that his his main role has been to try to stop the EPA in every way possible. I mean, he's filed 14 lawsuits against the EPA to try to stop, to weaken, to delay, to block any kinds of new standards or regulations that particularly affect the oil and gas industry. 14 different lawsuits against the EPA? Yes. And not surprisingly, he always sues on the side of the polluters. Imagine that. Yeah. So um, he was also caught copying and pasting a letter from an oil company, Devon Energy, and yep. sending that off to the EPA and to complain about new new uh, uh, regulations. Put it onto his own letterhead yeah. and pretended as if these were his opinions when they literally were copy and pasted from Devon Energy. Exactly. Yep. So this is the guy we're dealing with. So his gambit as an attorney general has been to, find, to, to sue the EPA to say that they're not following the proper legal process. The rule of law. You know, oh, yeah, it's important to regulate. Oh, but the EPA has to do it properly because, you know, process matters. But what that ends up doing, and he knows this very well, is that it ends up weakening those rules. It ends up delaying those rules. And it ends up increasing uncertainty for business as they try to figure out, okay, is this rule going to happen? Is this not going to happen? When is it going to happen? So they asked a lot of questions. The senators did, the Democratic senators did, I should say, about lead, for example. You know, there was the huge water crisis Mm -hmm. in Flint. Michigan, where their water infrastructure has uh, poisoned most of the children with lead. And there is a lot of a need for the EPA to have stepped in sooner to assist them. But with the way that the Michigan uh, state has run and the way that the Congress has run this is that states are supposed to take the lead and the EPA is supposed to sit back and be in consultation. So uh, he was asked by Senator Ben Cardin uh, what he thought about the safe level levels of lead in drinking water. Is there any safe level of lead in drinking water? Because the Environmental Protection Agency director should know this answer. And he said, I don't know. I haven't studied the science on Wait, that. he doesn't know what the level should be, or he doesn't know if it's safe to have lead in drinking water or not? Both. <sighs> he basically said, I don't know what the safe level of lead is in drinking water. The answer is there is no safe level of lead in drinking water, period. End of story. Wow. Uh, he was also asked about mercury because he had sued to stop the new EPA mercury rules that, you know, prevent and, and sorry, mm-hmm. restrict um, em- mercury emissions from power plants because the mercury emissions get into the lead, they get into the, I mean, they get into the soil, they get into the water, they get into the fish that we eat. And so he was asked about the lawsuits that he has filed in order to stop those standards like new mercury rules and he basically answered so he's trying to block uh, pollution uh, regulation of pollution that has contaminated our fish yes. that has put mercury into our food supply. Yes, and his answer focused on the cost benefit. Is it too expensive for these power plants to have to install new mercury standards 
Senator Kristen Gillibrand Mm -hmm. from New York said, wait a second, there's a human health cost. That's supposed to be more important. And he said, oh, yeah, well, you know, there are these standards that do include the human health cost, but it has to be done properly in the right order. Now, all of these lawsuits that he has filed to stop the EPA from doing their job, uh, now that he's going to be in charge of the EPA, um, I, I, as I understand, he was asked whether he would recuse himself from the uh, from these cases now that he's on the other side of the matter. Yes, is that what he, he, was? he was asked by Senator Ed Markey, Democrat yeah. of Massachusetts, if he's going to recuse himself because he'll be in charge of writing, amending and enforcing these same regulations that he's suing over right now. If you don't agree to recuse yourself, then again, you become plaintiff, defendant, judge, and jury on the cases that you're bringing that ha- right now as Attorney General of Oklahoma against uh, the EPA. You also are in a position to initiate regulations that could overturn uh, smog protections, uh, po- uh, carbon pollution protections that are right now on the books um, that you are suing as Attorney General of Oklahoma to overturn. Would you commit uh, to not promulgating new regulations in any of the areas uh, where you right now are suing the EPA? Would you make a commitment that you would recuse yourself from doing that? I have every willingness and desire to to recuse as directed by EPA Ethics Council. Look, what the American people are expecting here is that EPA doesn't turn into every polluter's ally. The only way to ensure that is for you to recuse yourself from the cases that you have brought. So to create an appearance of independence, it's critical that you recuse yourself. Otherwise, honestly, people are going to think that it's not just the fox guarding the hen house. It's the fox destroying the hen house. Yep. And, yeah. he, and he doesn't care. He, he doesn't he care. He doesn't care. He, that's not who his constituents are. His constituents seem to be the polluting industries. I'll just say one last thing. Yeah. I know we're running short on time. Uh, Bernie Sanders, independent of, of Vermont, asked him to clarify whether he agrees about the scientific consensus that humans are causing climate change. Mm-hmm. Pruitt has done what is the new gambit among deniers now, which is to say, sure, climate change is happening. It's not a hoax. Climate is always changing. It's always yeah. changing. The only question now is the human contribution to it and what we should do about it. So Bernie tried to ask him, you know, do you acknowledge that CO2, carbon dioxide emissions, are the driver of global warming? And this is what, you know, he, he refused to answer that. He said, well, you know, it's not really my, of course it's not. not relevant what my personal opinion is on that. And Bernie was like, you know, you're the head of the EPA. Yeah. It's not relevant what your opinion is if you believe uh, that this thing that all of the scientists are yelling and screaming about uh, that, you know, we are facing the uh, you know extinction on planet Earth as what was it as the New York Times called it today, uh, a profound threat to both the natural world and to human civilization. But other than that, no need to have an opinion on it. Right. So that's kind of where we are. Just, so that's something to continue to listen for when you're listening to people who are climate science deniers. They're going to try to make it sound like they're not. But they are because, remember, delay is denying. 
And that's something to listen for if you can listen, because all of this, again, is going on at once. It's very difficult to cover. Thank you, Desi uh, uh, Doyen. Uh, stand by. We're going to get to Green News Report uh, shortly. Thank you for that report. Uh, and that is just uh, that was just one of the hearings held today. But I do want to hear from you since this is our, uh, I think, our last chance. Uh, we'll, yeah, and you know what, Des, uh, mark that. We'll, we'll try to play that Bernie Sanders audio on tomorrow's broadcast. Uh, but let me see if I can get to some calls here. 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK. Your message from, uh, from today to the future, to those who, who may, you know, have never lived before Donald Trump became president. Uh, we played earlier in the show Barack Obama saying uh, he felt everything's going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We will be okay. That's what he says. Uh, whether we will or not, I don't know. So uh, your messages to the future in the few minutes that we have, not on Earth, but just a few minutes we have on the broadcast before we had to go to the Green News Report. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let me go to, uh, let's see, very quickly, uh, Nick in Northridge. Hey, Nick, welcome to the broadcast. Your message to the future, sir. Uh, thank you, Brad. My message to the people of the future is to uh, be cautious of important uh, things that are done for the public but are done with profit in mind and also to uh, be careful for uh, those who switch their opinions. Uh, what's wrong with switching your opinions if you learn something? Uh, eh? Well, public officials switching their opinions after they've sworn up and down that that's how they believe mm -hmm. and that's how they were voted in, then uh, they should be held to that. All right. Uh, they should have... Uh, concrete reasons for changing their mind. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that call, Nick. Let me go to um, Caroline in Sherman Oaks. Caroline, your message to the peoples of the future. Uh, hello. My, um, it's uh, two days before the inauguration of Donald Trump, and uh, I want you to know it's two days before uh, you, uh, your rights to criticize your president and other officials was taken away from you and to publicly protest. I'm sorry. We couldn't stop this. Good luck, future. Thank you, Caroline. Uh, and to be clear, uh, nobody's rights for now have been taken away to speak out against uh, the president or to protest. Now is the time when we need to speak out against the president. Now is the time that we need to be able to protest. And uh, but I uh, I take Caroline's point. I, I hope she is totally wrong with our time capsule message to the future. 818 985 uh, five seven three five. Let me uh, let me go to Al in Idlewild. You've been holding for a while. Thanks, Al. What's on your mind, sir? Hey, Brad. Two hundred tons of radioactive cesium leaking from the Fukushima uh, meltdown several years ago. Every day, it's as far as Baja. It's affecting the genes of every sea mammal, every sea critter, and the big thing, it's affecting phytoplankton to produce our oxygen. I think we're screwed. Now, is, <laughs> thank you. I guess that's his message for the future. We are screwed. 818-985-5735. Uh, Let's go to, um, do I have uh, uh, Michael in Corona? Uh, let me get, uh, yeah, I think I do. Uh, hey, Michael in Corona, welcome to the broadcast, Michael. Turn down your radio if you don't mind, sir. Oh, got it. Hey, thanks a lot. First time caller here. 
You know, um, uh, I, I voted for, for Hillary Clinton, but I have to live with what we've got. But, you know, they say the, the sword you live by is the sword you, you, you die by. And Donald Trump made a lot of comments about him not being able to do anything about Hillary Clinton, but others should. Well, I think it's our place to do something about Donald Trump in this area, if nothing else, to keep him straight and the people that appears to be saying what the American people want to hear to get through their confirmation. But I think we really know where they're at. And Donald Trump didn't pick these folks because they disagree with him. And what should very quickly, Michael, what should we do? Oh, we lost Michael. All right. Uh, let me go to uh, Brian, uh, also in Corona, California, lovely and maybe rainy Corona, California. Hey, Brian, welcome to the broadcast. Your message for the peoples of the future. My message basically is that this this is a wake-up call for all of us. We the the Trump supporters they they didn't put him in office. We did. We didn't we didn't unify enough. We didn't we didn't go out there and do what we had to do. So basically, my my uh, what I want to say is we 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 just have to like unify and we got to get together and we got to get this we got to get this guy out of here and we got to get someone even better like Bernie Sanders, you know. 2020, hopefully. But uh, thank you for having me. Thanks, Brian. Um, so I think that's an apology to the future. Maybe the future is owed one. Joe in Hollywood, welcome to the broadcast, Joe. Hey, thanks. Uh, I have a message, and that is that uh, without ice, there's no complex life on this planet. It's never been that way. It can't be. We lose uh, Rex Tillerson's Dodge about uh, not really sure what to do, how to do it. It's really quite simple, and he knows very well, more than and earlier than everybody else, is that without ice, there is no complex life on this planet, and we are now racing to lose it all. Thanks for the Green Report. I love it. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate that. Uh, all right. Speaking of the Green News Report, I need to take a break and come back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report if we have uh, some time for more of your messages to the future. Thanks for keeping them short and sweet. We will do that uh, as well. Let's take a quick break here. Come back with uh, with Desi. Des, you're on deck for the Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Okay, we are going to stop the world and melt for Desi Doyen <laughs> and uh, in our latest Green News report. And we'll try to get to a few more calls if we have time. I yep. don't know if we will uh, afterwards. So let's go to it. Our latest Green News report. We need to phase them out. We need to manage the transition off of our dependence on fossil fuels. Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau admits Alberta's oil sands days are numbered. 2016 was the second most expensive year ever for extreme weather disasters in the U.S. Wisconsin caught deleting climate change from state websites again. New York to Nick's nukes. Plus, California catches a break in historic drought. Sort of. We do? Yep. 
Sort of? A little. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics analysis, and snarky comment. Bringing forward a nominee for the EPA, uh, Mr. Pruitt, Mm -hmm. who does not believe in environmental protection, is crazy. It is insane. Yep. Crazy like a Fox News. This is your Insane Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, the United States is now officially both crazy and insane. (laughs) As we uh, look this week, it's a big week for the planet as the U.S. Senate considers a whole bunch of climate science deniers for a whole bunch of climate science positions in Trump's cabinet. Yeah, confirmation hearings are scheduled in the U.S. Senate this week for former Texas Governor Rick Perry to head the Department of Energy, which he once vowed to eliminate, Montana Representative Ryan Zinke for the Interior Department, and Scott Pruitt, Oklahoma's anti-environment attorney general, to head the Environmental Protection Agency that he has spent his entire career attacking. Climate science deniers all? All of them. Fantastic. In other news, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau ignited controversy on Friday when, at a town hall, he acknowledged that in order to fight climate change, Canada will eventually have to phase out its Alberta tar sands. So we have to go to Canada for good news now? (laughs) Yep. You can't make a choice between what's good for the environment and what's good for the economy. Uh, We can't shut down the oil sands tomorrow. Uh, We need to phase them out. We need to manage the transition off of our dependence on fossil fuels. Uh, That is going to take time, and in the meantime, we have to manage that transition. Well, naturally, that did not go over well with conservative politicians in Alberta, many of them climate science deniers, too. Alberta Premier Rachel Notley pledged that no phase-out would happen for decades. And it should be noted, Rachel Notley is not a conservative, right? No, she's not. So they're talking about continuing to use the tar sands for a very long time. Justin Trudeau says we need to phase them out, but apparently he's in no big rush because he recently approved a great big giant tar sands oil pipeline. So, so much for going to our friends to the north for the good news. Just forget I said that. (laughs) In the U.S., California is finally catching a break from its record historic drought. An ongoing series of intense storms triggered evacuations and widespread flooding in northern California, killing at least five people and toppling a massive, iconic sequoia tree known as the tunnel tree, big enough to drive a car under. Good news is the mountain snowpack levels in California are above normal for the first time in six years, Mm. but meteorologists say the next heat wave could melt that snowpack. Plus, the drought maintains its grip on Southern California. The state's groundwater is still depleted, and that will take decades to refill. Meanwhile, extreme weather is extremely expensive. A new National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration report finds that the U.S. last year had 15 extreme weather disasters costing a billion dollars or more. That makes 2016 the second costliest year for extreme weather events in U.S. history after 2011. Extreme weather disasters cost us overall $46 billion last year and killed nearly 148 people. But doing anything about climate change that causes that extreme weather 
That's just too expensive. Meanwhile, New York State will close its Indian Point nuclear power plant, located just 30 miles north of New York City, by 2021. Governor Andrew Cuomo said that the deal was driven by the fact that in the event of a nuclear accident, an evacuation of the New York City region would be impossible. Well, that's good, presuming there's no nuclear disaster before 2021. Plant owner Energy said the glut of cheap natural gas made the plant unprofitable, but some clean energy advocates were not happy. They said New York should have phased out fossil fuels first, since fossil fuels may be used to make up the difference in generating electricity. Finally, Wisconsin state government has been caught again scrubbing state websites of all references to climate change. First, climate change impacts were quietly deleted from the state environment agency's website. Now the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reports that Wisconsin's Public Service Commission has deleted all references to climate science. They regulate coal-fired power plants, the state's largest source of carbon emissions. If only global warming were as easy to delete as removing words from a website. Well, I guess we're entering the era of pretend. For much more on all of these reports and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget you can download our reports anytime via Stitcher, TuneIn, or iTunes. Find us, follow us, and share us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your... Green News Report. All right, let me see if I get to... Thank you, Des. Uh, let me see if I can get to some very quick calls here uh, at the end with messages to the future from a world in which Donald Trump has never been the president of the United States yet. Francis in West Covina. Uh, very quickly, Francis, your message. Yes, believe in the audacity of hope. Uh, that's the only thing that keeps me going is that uh, uh, we, that they they expect us to feel powerless, and uh, if we lose hope, then we don't rise to action. So continue being hopeful, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Francis. I appreciate that. Last one here, Wendy from Ventura. Hi. Hi. Uh, uh, Distinguish yourselves by not calling women ma'am. Call them ms, if anything, or call them by their name. Yeah. Uh, protect our uh, water. That's the main thing because that's that that's what the wars are being fought about now. And do be active. March with the Black Lives Matter, with the environmental movements to keep keep it in the ground. Uh, support women in their in their struggle against this this. The administration, which is just trying to take us way back to the antebellum stuff. You know, before you know it, they'll be calling black men boys. Thank you, Ms. Wendy. I appreciate your call and your message to the future. Apologies to those of you who I couldn't get to, but you can drop me uh, drop me a Twitter if you like. I am the Brad Blog. You can also find me on the Facebooks at the same place, the Brad Blog, and my email address, bradcast at bradblog.com. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, as always, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, Download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. We will be back with you tomorrow. Hope you're buckled up. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Okay.